If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, I'm going to be talking about whether you are unintentionally training your children to fear the world and how anxiety can do this, uh, even if you don't know that you're an anxious person or you don't identify as that. Before I get into that, please do subscribe. I have close to 80 subscriber-only episodes. My next one is going to be next on whether you and your spouse have the same kind of expectations for the empty nester or retirement years and how I've seen a disparity between what people think is going to happen in those years play out in marital counseling and lead to conflict. All right, so back to the topic at hand. I definitely work with a lot of people who struggle with anxiety. Some of these people know that it's anxiety. Some of them don't. I've talked about um, when you don't, when you can't recognize anxiety in a previous podcast, and that's a lot of people. You know, ranging from young people to older people. Um, it's just uh, frequently if you grew up in an anxious house and you don't identify as anxious because you just think that you. Your um, perfectionism, cautiousness, uh, you know, uh, your kind of rules and rigidity, that's just like the way that it goes and that's just like how life is. So if you don't recognize that you're anxious, it would be interesting to listen to that podcast for you um, if anybody's ever told you that you're anxious. So, um, because frequently partners will say you're really anxious and the person will be like, I'm not anxious. I'm just the only one around here that gives a shit about anything or that cares about parenting or cares about safety or whatever when it's really anxiety. So how does, um, kind of undiagnosed or diagnosed anxiety, uh, teach children to fear the world? Well, you come at things as a parent, when you are anxious, you come at things from a very negativistic place where you're overemphasizing risk and de-emphasizing reward. So there could be, so think about like driving, you know, like of course there's a risk that you're going to get into a car accident, you know, whenever you get into the car, but only the most anxious people then would not have a car. You know, most people are willing to moderate that risk for the reward of flexibility and being able to go places at a moment's notice without having to plot out public transportation routes, etc. So, uh, you know, assuming that you live somewhere where most people have cars. Um, the, it, or a plane, right? So it, people, there's a risk to flying, there's a risk to, to you know, anytime you get into a plane, but people like to travel anyway, right? Or anything. You know, I mean, literally anything. There's a risk to skiing, but people will still go skiing because they think that the the fun of it and the pleasure is outweighs the possibility that you're going to break your leg. So there are myriad things here. I mean, germs is a big one. If you feel like the risk of your kids getting sick is higher and, and more powerful and means more to you than the reward of them having fun in a play place, then you're never 
never going to take them to a play place because they could get sick because there's other kids around. So when you are too weighted on the side of the bad things that could happen, this transmits itself to your children and they start to, instead of viewing the world as a place full of freedom and adventure and possibility, which is positive for mental health because there's a need to explore, a basic human need to explore your surroundings. You can see this in all mammals, you know, like we have gerbils, like the gerbils like to explore their surroundings. Every, every like healthy animal likes to explore its surroundings and to play. But when you are basically telling your kids all the time that things are super um, dangerous and I've worked with people who struggle with this for years and years, and it starts with postpartum anxiety, where like the, so, so a lot of women's anxiety starts with postpartum anxiety, and there's more women that are anxious than men. So that's why a lot of my examples are about women. And so I've seen women who struggle with postpartum anxiety. Now, if you constrict a baby from doing various things, like going to play places or swim lessons or like babies, you know, baby swim lessons or like whatever, baby doesn't know. You know, but it's like kind of like you you forget that the baby's growing every single day. Then they're turning into a toddler. The toddler does hear you say stuff like, well, there's a lot of germs in those places, so we're going to stay home. You know, or uh, we don't, don't climb, don't climb, no, don't climb, you could fall, you could fall, like that kind of stuff. So the, the toddler then does start to understand what's going on. And a child certainly does, and so does a teenager. A lot of people are very disappointed that their teenagers or then young adults don't want to go out and explore and do things and instead want to sit around playing video games. But I see that more, that behavior of failure to launch and uh, just kind of sitting at home instead of going out with friends and what have you. Um, That's more common among people with anxious parents because they were already, everything is nature and nurture. So they were already had your genetic loading to be anxious, but then they were raised by you, somebody who's anxious, right? So all that, so they were like hyper attuned to all of the comments that you made about things being you know, risky and dangerous. So they listened. Can't blame them. You know, I mean, they listen. They know nothing bad's going to happen when they sit at home playing video games. And they haven't been taught to think that that is something bad. Not going out, not going to a party, not driving, not traveling, not wanting to live on your own. You know, and parents get smacked in the face with this when it's like, you know, after an entire childhood of telling a child, be careful, be careful, you could get hurt, you could fail, you could this, you could that. And speaking of failure, you know, there's an interesting book, The Gift of Failure, that you could read that I recommend. But if it, children of anxious parents are frequently prevented from any kind of failure because if the child gets a bad grade, then the teacher calls the, the you know, the parent calls the teacher. If the kid is benched at uh, his little soccer game when he's five years old, then, you know, instead of him being upset, which makes the anxious parent even more anxious, they go to the coach and they say, no, put him into the game. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways that anxious parents stop children from incrementing mentally getting exposure to, you know, um, fear and uh, just being like kind of not in control and 
like not anxiety, but like anticipation. You know, there's like all of these different emotions, negative emotions that anxious parents try to prevent their kids from having. Like all of these different warnings before, you know, they have to do anything. Like that's really prevalent now. Like this whole warning system. Here's your 20 minute warning. Here's your 10 minute warning. Here's your five minute warning. If kids have been always getting a million warnings before they do something so small as leaving the playground, then it's really hard for them in the moment to roll with anything that is remotely unpredictable because their childhood experience has been curated so much. And it's usually parents who have anxiety themselves that engage in multiple warning systems because they become very anxious themselves when the child gets upset. They don't like seeing the child upset. It's it's the child cries. It's unpredictable. It's loud. They don't know how to stop it. So they they kind of get into this anxious behavior of trying to keep the child calm at all times. But keeping your child calm at all times, it may be good for you as a parent. That's ideal because they're quiet and tractable. But for the child, think about what they are experiencing. They're experiencing an extremely curated, overly controlled environment, which does not in any way replicate what's going to happen in the real world at all, you know? And so then if they are, let's say, Uh, they're seven years old or something they always get all these warnings about like when things are coming up but this time they go over to a friend's house and the friend's mother is like um well actually we're just not gonna do video games now we're gonna go outside because um you know uh let's let's all play basketball well the kid who always gets 15 warnings before having to stop their video game is going to be thrown for a loop and may respond very poorly and may even you know tantrum or cry or, or feel dysregulated or something because they feel that this new environment is so unpredictable. That could have been obviated had the home environment been even a little bit unpredictable. Life is unpredictable. So there are many ways that when you are overly controlled and anxious, this passes itself onto a child and stops them from experiencing life in all of its, uh, you know, messiness and It is no wonder then that a child would choose to remain in the nest and stay home instead of going living on your own, living with roommates, going to college, doing whatever, because it's so unpredictable when you're dealing with other people who are focused not solely on providing you with a calm experience. Um, There's a lot of school refusal now. There's increasing rates of school refusal. And, um, you know, I read an article about this. And the treatment for school refusal is exactly what I'm saying. Having strong boundaries and not allowing the child, let's say, to have this fun day at home when they refuse school. So if they refuse school, the article said, I forget where I read it, maybe the Times, was um, so a lot of parents, a kid refuses school but then goes on video games all day. Well, I mean, (laughs) you know, who's not going to refuse school then? And why would the parent do this? Because they don't want the child to be upset. So anxious, and then of course the kid refuses school more and more because they get to do the video games and this article is saying, no, if they won't go to school, then they have to at least do schoolwork all day on the same routine as school. And if they are bored and dissatisfied and it's basically like school except there's no friends, then they may choose school again, which is a good point, right? But a lot of people struggle with that if they're entire parenting conception before that was um, do not make the child upset. 
you know, and so there's two things. You teach your child to fear the world when you transmit your own fears, and also you teach them to be afraid not only of the world, but of their own negative emotion. Because if a parent is so upset by the child's negative emotion, then the child figures that their negative emotion must just be the worst thing in the world and not um, bearable, not tolerable. It's kind of like similar. So when anxious parents have a child who can't sleep, for example, like there's a child is anxious. Of course, they're anxious. They have an anxious parent. They're genetically anxious. They can't sleep. So there's myriad approaches when a child can't sleep. But the best one is to just be like, oh, yeah, sometimes we don't sleep. Got to stay in your room, though. You know, I got to sleep. Uh, family has to sleep. So just stay in your room. You know, I guess you could read or something quiet. But if you should really be you know, just hanging out <laughs> and waiting to go to sleep or doing a quiet activity that doesn't disturb anybody, you know, but there are some parents who are like, oh my God, oh my God, we got to get out the melatonin. We got to do this. We got to do that. And why? It's all so that the child doesn't experience a negative emotion or negative feeling, either anxiety about not being able to sleep in the moment or tired the next day. So like there's a lot of, I work with young adults who are like just terrified um, of being tired the next day, you know, and this is not, this is so easily reframed, right? Because what if you were, let's say, out, like up late talking to your boyfriend or girlfriend or your your love interest on, on the phone, but you had to get up at like 8 a.m. to go to school. You would be so happy to talk to them until 2 a.m. or until 5 a.m., you know, if this was your big crush. So, I mean, even just a simple reframe like that can sometimes really change how a person thinks about it. Like, wow, if this was a good thing, then I wouldn't worry about me being tired tomorrow. It would be considered an adventure. You know, this would be great. I had been talking to my crush all night and now I'm tired at school. Oh, well, que sera. But if it's something where I think of it as I have insomnia and this is always something that has plagued me and my parents bought me all these melatonin gummies and all of these, you know, took me to a child therapist, like all this stuff just because I couldn't sleep sometimes, then they think about it as, oh my God, there must have been a real reason for all that hysteria about it, which is that it's literally the worst thing in the world for me to be tired the next day, which it's not. It's not the worst thing in the world for the kid to be tired the next day. There are many, many children who are tired, you know, and, and it's not a, it's not a, I mean, of course, like, yeah, sure, you want them to have a full night's sleep, but if they miss one, oh, well, like that needs to be kind of the, the general mantra. Oh, well, you know, like it's not, not that bad. Things aren't really that bad. And this goes into the kind of overvalidation culture where parents are scared now to say that something isn't that bad. But yet your child is looking to you to tell them to really, as a reality check, are things that bad? And like, you ought to say no, you know, because like nobody's going to die if your child is tired the next day. So you are not just there to validate your child's emotions. You're there to provide reality testing and to say most things are not that bad and you are strong and you can power through them. Yes, you are resilient. Yes, you didn't get a lot of sleep, but you'll be fine tomorrow versus, oh, my God, I know it's terrible. You're so anxious. Man, they already know that. You know, they, they, they know that they're anxious. They're trying to figure out how bad this is. And a lot of parents with the best of intentions, if they struggle with their own anxiety, will instead promote an anxious feeling like, oh, my God, this is bad. And the kid will be like, oh, my God, this is even worse than I thought. Look how upset mom slash dad is about this. So anyway, the, the, the point here is if you recognize yourself in this podcast, therapy is very, very helpful for anxiety. 
Uh, anxious people are good therapy students. <laughs> they like to, you know, do their work. And they and and it's it's very, very responsive to CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, where you try different ways of thinking about things and different ways of behaving to test out different, less anxious response styles that do a lot better in uh, the daily work of parenting so that you can ensure that you're not teaching your child either to fear the world or to fear their own feelings or to fear their own bodily sensations or what have you. And it's probably what you wish would have happened with you as a child, that you would have been in an environment that was less fraught and tense and like frightened, you know, with parents being frightened of the world. All right, so um, if this spoke to you, I am, I am glad and hopefully can spur you. I have a therapy practice myself. If you're in any of the states that um, my therapist can work in, that's Best Life Behavioral Health. I have a lot of people who work with anxiety. And um, I will talk to everybody soon. Have a great day.